thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on. Um, I think this is number this number four, number three, Becky. You could tell me which which number of Pablo Islands we're on. Your invite says four. <laughs> four yeah, four. Right. Good. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought it was four. Um, yeah. Thank you for joining us, Steve. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess a little bit of uh, updates for the show generally. I'm Dishan Makani. I work at Vision. Um, I am uh, hosting today um, our, our episode with Steve Krauss uh, of Bowtown, uh, also uh, formerly uh, the runner of the Future of Programming podcast. I think that might come up a little later today. Um, and uh, we'll have other people kind of come in and have questions and join in. Maybe Boris will, will make them move over uh, to the speaker section and have some questions. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's it. Any other updates for, for the podcast? We're going to have more and more episodes going, uh, a lot more stuff that we want to cover in terms of content. Uh, and like today, a lot more interesting guests uh, like we have with Steve today. So uh, without further ado, uh, Steve Krauss, do you want to give us a little intro about yourself, your background, and uh, tell us a little bit about Valtown? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so my background... Let's see how I describe myself. I've started a, a bunch of different entrepreneurial kind of things um, and worked in tech generally, uh, usually with a fo- mostly with a focus on developer tools. Um, I started, um, I worked at Looker, it's a data analytics company. I started a uh, after school program teaching kids to code and built curriculum and developer tools for kids, which was, uh, which like really informs kind of how I see uh, the developer tool space a lot. Um, and then after that, I started uh, this podcast and online community called The Future of Coding, which uh, has, has a, a really big respect for like the history, like where computing has come from, like the early pioneers of it, and then tries to look to the future um, of what uh, what we could do uh, with computers. Um, and so I ran that podcast for a while now. It's in great hands with uh, Ivan Reese. Um, and recently, my, my project is Valtown. It's a social website to write and run code. Uh, you can create cron jobs, uh, HTTP endpoints, all from the browser, instantly deployed. And there's also a lot of social features for sharing code, sharing JSON values, uh, likes, comments. So it's like a little bit of a mix of uh, the vibes of maybe Twitter and AWS Lambda and GitHub and NPM, kind of all in one hopefully very simple and fun to use product. Cool. Um, yeah, future coding, as you said, programming came to my end. But yeah, future coding, of course. And yeah, I mean, so on, on some stuff in Valtown, the thing I, I kind of want to start with is like, uh, you mentioned already a few things there, something like Twitter, something like Lambda, something like GitHub and GIS. Um, can you talk a little bit about the motivations, like when you, and obviously, you know, it's a, it's a, a newer company, a co- I mean, you've been working on it for a while and growing. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, like, what are, what are those elements that really motivated you to move in this direction uh, and to then start a company around this idea? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Uh, so I, I guess I've been inspired by so many different um, products in the space. Uh, for years, I I feel like I've I've been like the perfect customer of a product like this, uh, and I was never that happy with 
my options because right. I feel like right. I mostly identify with being a front endy kind of a person, and then it's like I occasionally you have to do some back end stuff. It's like ugh, now I have to like set up some server. Uh, so like back in the day, uh, I guess that was Heroku, <laughs> which which you know I was right. a fan of Heroku back in the day. Um, and I found this website. I actually kind of forgot it existed. It was called WebScript.io. It doesn't exist anymore, uh -huh, but uh -huh. it was. It's kind of like, like a proto Valtown in a lot of ways. Um, it's on Lua, um, which makes a lot of sense. Um, maybe later in this conversation, you, you, we could take in the direction of um, like how well does your programming language serialize stuff? Like how, how much is like right. serialization? like a primitive of the language, like was your language designed for like distributed computation, like, like a small talk, like a Lua uh, or, or like, was that not at all part of it? And then you have to like totally design your uh, design around right. the limitations. Right. Like, you know, like so much of the worst parts about Valtown are that we like JSONify stuff all the time. Like, you know, like you can't like serialization is one of the worst and hardest parts about having chosen uh, JavaScript. But anyways, we can get back to that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there there are trade-offs obviously on that one choice right yeah, there, right? Totally, so, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, just that one choice. Um, so so, anyways, um, like where where like I, I've for some reason I felt like uh, kind of going chronologically and just giving you all of the inspirations I've had uh, that like kind of brought me. I think here. it's important because um, it's important like where where you got stuck, right? Like where where you got stuck and you felt like you needed what became about them, right? Is really key to this. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a big fan of um, Cloud9, which was like one of the first kind of successful uh, cloud yeah. IDEs. Um, I, I was a big fan of Replit. Uh, they were a big sponsor of the Future of Coding podcast, uh, and, and it's a great product in education. Um, Code Sandbox, CodePen. Like, I, like, I'm just a big <laughs> fan of cloud IDEs, particularly like, you know, I was a teacher, and so I had, I had all these Chromebooks that kids, right. you know, I, I personally bought like hundreds of Chromebooks and I was, you know, teaching kids on Chromebooks. So browser IDEs were very important to me. Uh, but then if you were a child and you wanted to do like a little bit of server side state, it was hard. It was really hard to, to set that up um, without a credit card. Uh, that's like a, definitely a disenfranchising thing for children. Um, and let's see. I feel like I'm forgetting a bunch. Uh, I guess another uh, couple of big inspirations for me in more recent times were um, Dark, the, the Dark Lang programming language. Um, mm -hmm. I worked with mm -hmm. those guys a lot. Um, they have their own, you know, uh, language and a structured editor. I'm also a big fan uh, of Unit, the Unison programming language, which um, mm -hmm. they're, they're like one. One of their big ideas is you is you kind of throw code in a database uh, and and you, you refer to code by its ID, not by its like textual name. And, and so right. Valtan has right. a lot it's of ideas. Like content address. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, they hash the contents of the exactly. code and, yeah. and you refer to it that way. So a lot of the ideas of Dark and Unison and a lot of these other platforms ended up in Valtown. Uh, like I, like I you know, kind of took the, the ideas that I liked the most without like some of the baggage that like makes those ideas like harder to implement or whatever. Um, so we can get into right. some of that. It's like, you know, yeah, well, do you feel, I mean, like just, yeah, go for it. I was like, you know, when you, when we talk about this, like front endy versus back endy, which is always weird terms to me, uh, but, but these, this kind of separation, which I think is like something to that, that choice of JavaScript, as you mentioned, but 
how much how much is this is about you know and what heroku was really about I me mean, going back through all these things you kind of mentioned why even cloud IDEs, why all this is like this idea of um how do we how do we maybe mask mask or remove the the difficulties of infrastructure for people who just want to make something happen uh to your point even on education right like not only the pricing of cloud services, like to get started with Amazon, a credit card has to be attached. Um, but even with other stuff, it's like, or credits or, you know, whatever the case might be, if you got something for free, is, is, is the concept generally that infrastructure is too, is too takes too much away from actually trying to make something happen for a lot of people? Is that, is that like an, a, you know, a kind of thread through all of this? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that's, that's kind of like the, the founding idea behind like the quote surrealist movement, uh, which is a, you know, obviously a hilarious name because it's all about servers, but it's like about not having to think about servers. Um, so yeah, I guess we all just, or like, I, f I feel like there, there's a, a user profile that totally describes me of a person who just like really doesn't want to think about server crashing and having to like restart a server or like having to scale up a server or god forbid kubernetes or like even just like understand right. iam roles in aws or like open an aws account and you know like yeah i guess the, it's it's hard to like know exactly where the line is but um there's something in that morass of infrastructure hell start being like ah this accidental complexity and, and can't we come up with better abstractions so uh so i can just write the business logic you know this is, this is like a very old dream right. uh but yeah a, a continuing that, dream every company is selling every company is selling some foundation of you know write your business right uh whether it's back-end yeah, yeah. centric or user centric right yeah yeah and and really um the amount of developer tools companies, like developers love make, like working on developer tools. Everyone likes working on products that are meaningful to them and solve problems they've had. And developers have developer problems. That's why so many developer tool companies. Uh, and I think, and a lot of them are kind of promising like Firebase for X, <laughs> uh, kind of like right. Firebase for real-time snake, Firebase for LLMs, Firebase for crypto or whatever, uh, or Heroku for X. Uh, like a it's like an old dream and the, like the true success right. stories in the space aren't that common um we can get into that like there's this uh, like crossing the chasm problem where uh, it's right. like easy to get folks to sign up for uh, a developer tool for like it's a very different kind of business orientation to get people to sign up to use something at a hackathon versus uh, an enterprise contract where the money yeah. is to be made so there's a tension there and like, can you cross that chasm as a business is like, like an interesting threshold that like Twilio did and SendGrid did, but uh, Heroku did not like Heroku kind of got off the ride early. Uh, and now like Superbase is trying to, I don't know if you saw our article about Superbase, but Superbase is a company that I have a lot of respect for um, that, you know, we famously kind of moved off of Superbase and wrote a blog post about it. But um, like, I guess, you know, and I, I'm rooting for them. Like Superbase is now trying to uh, cross that chasm of, uh, it's a developer tool that's so easy and wonderful to sign up for at a hackathon and like, and will it scale with you as, as your company grows from one person to five or 10 or a hundred. Uh, so anyways, I kind of got off track there. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, I think, I think, 
I mean, obviously, to, you know, how how I, I've seen at least Valtown grow. Yeah, I was going back through some history, early hacker news threads, I guess, Foster, et cetera. You know, uh, and I think I remember in the Ink and Twitch uh, one, uh, you did a you did a, a video with a, a, with Ink and Switch. Um, but one thing that was kind of mentioned was like, you know, Valtown seemed to also grow from the, you know, like you mentioned, like Twitter API, I want to like, use some other functionality that someone has already written. I want to integrate that and I want to do something based on that. And, and I think there was like a mention of, of, of points like you can easily do, you know, with Valtown things like IFT, IFS, IFTT, right? Kind of, um, kind of, you know, code snippets. Um, but I guess to this question on crossing the chasm and thinking about enterprise and a company in this bit, like how do you move from, something that people can use for kind of ease of functionality. I want to talk a little, a lot about interfaces as we go forward here, but, but to go from like ease of functionality, anybody can kind of like get something up and running to something where an enterprise might go, or, you know, someone below enterprise with somewhere in the middle might go. Yeah. uh, This is, this is the thing that will make my X engineering group much faster. Or, I mean, do you care about those kind of things? Or how does that kind of work within the view of where Valtown is going, I guess? Yeah, yeah, totally. Great question. I I think um, having, the way I think see it right now and what got me move from a space of search and prototyping to like, I want to start a company in this space was having uh, developer tool company role models for me to look up to that like I was able to see cross that chasm Mm -hmm. and like didn't lose their soul. Uh, because <laughs> I had no interest in building a, like a company or a product that's like only useful for enterprises. That's like not at all. That just doesn't sound interesting. Uh, and I also didn't want right. to flame out uh, like maybe like I don't know, not not to throw shade at Eve at all, but uh, Eve is a, is a company is a great example of a company that uh, built some unbelievable prototypes and research, uh, but wasn't able to find the funding or or like a market. Granger, this is like Chris Granger's work, right? Chris yeah, Granger's work, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like you know, not to just point to that. Um, you could you could point to a lot of developer tool companies that weren't able to cross the chasm. Uh, so I, so I didn't, I didn't like either of those outcomes. Um, but I feel like in recent years uh, we have a, a wonderful collection of companies that have. GitHub is is the, one of the best examples of it. Uh, Vercel is another company I look up to a lot. Um, mm-hmm. What's another? One um, retool is one uh, that I also have a, have a ton of respect oh, okay. for. Okay. Yeah. Um, these are ones that we bring up oh. <laughs> a ton, <laughs> right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, Vercel in particular, yeah, yeah, is another one. Yeah. 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 And so, like the way, um, uh, like yeah. the, the the overall strategy here is like bottoms up. Uh, product-led growth, which uh, is what's, it's it's like the same tech, you know, the strategy behind Dropbox and Slack, um, just apply, but just applied to developer tools. And uh, the, like the basic playbook is you build an unbelievably delightful product that hobbyists use at, on the nights and weekend at hackathons. And then they just love it and they talk about it all the time. And some of these people kind of sneak it into work. And that's, you know, that's already starting to happen with Valtown around the edges. And uh, you kind of build on that momentum. You invest in the features that make it more and more possible for people to bring your product into the office. And 
you try and, and like follow the demand, hold on. You know, like I, to be honest, like I don't exactly know how to do it. I, I have like a, a vague sense from watching these other companies. But um, that's that's that's, right. that's the dream that I that you like you build something that starts with the hobbyists and the nights and weekends, and and you 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 somehow are able to do both, where you you keep it being delightful for the hobbyist, the students, casual user, uh, but you but you add ser- you keep adding more serious features to get the uh, the people who pay. Uh, and and you know GitHub yeah. has crushed it. Vercel has crushed it. Uh, so that's that's what I'm. That's what I yeah. aspire to do. Yeah, that's it, yeah. It's uh, having worked at back in the database wars of uh, of the 2013s and 14s when I worked at Basho. Uh, we were. I mean, there was similar kind of caveat. It was obviously more about storage and databases. But what features do you add? What do people use? How do they use it for other projects versus enterprise? You know, versus bigger projects. I mean, I think. So I, you know, it's interesting. So I think. You know, we talked earlier about how a lot of uh, Valtown is really about, you know, again, you know, again, the serverless, toward the serverless mode, towards that hiding the lambda, hiding the infrastructure, um, even. Uh, but a lot of what you're, you all are doing is also into the interface, right? This idea of, you know, shareability, um, reusability, uh, a, a DSL, you know, I don't know if, if you want me to use that term, uh, some sort of term for, how you can do imports in a way and have, I know you've been going through and use stuff in, in, in V3, uh, but still things that you can use to make things easier or more explicit or implicit. I have some questions about implicit versus explicit in, in the model uh, to come. But uh, how is the interface for Valtown another integral part that is, that is maybe you could say different from the other tools in the cloud that try to make infrastructure easier? Hmm. Yeah. Good question. Uh, so I guess may, uh, maybe just to start and paint a visual picture for the podcast audience, uh, Valtown, uh, the website is val.town, V-A-L.T-O-W-N. And when you go to the website, uh, you can sign it, sign up, uh, and you are basically presented with a, a text box on the web. If you're, if you're familiar with uh, CodeMirror, it's a, a popular browser-based editor. That, that a lot of folks like Replit and Observable use. So basically, it's a text box on a web page where you can write JavaScript or TypeScript. And in version three, uh, we're going to have JSX as well. Um, uh, so it's, v- it's very familiar with like, if you've used CodePen or Replit or any of those other forms. Um, where Valtown starts to get a little bit more unique is that it's um, heavily inspired by Twitter. And so it it, it really encourages you to write a lot of short snippets of code and you compose up into uh, you know, flex applications through lots of small snippets that are all connected. Uh, and the, the reason we go in this direction is we're big believers in composability, reusability. Um, and what you get for free in, in that kind of a world um, and we can get into like the import export kind of story is yeah. if if yeah. i have uh if i have this big project so i guess the idea here was it it always felt to me that like a project uh and then a package system like a library like you know github has projects and then npm which is also owned by github uh is where packages live mm-hmm. to me that always felt like right artificial distinctions like what really like is a project and the projects have have like all sorts of things in between 
projects have composability within a project, but there's no composability across projects. If you want composability across projects, like, you know, publish a thing to NPM. Why, why do we have to, like, publish something to NPM to, to now get composability back into the project we originally had? And so right. Right. Altan kind of borrows this idea from Unison. Uh, Unison has this global namespace. Well, global namespaces are kind of, uh, <laughs> Unison didn't invent them, but uh, I think Unison kind of really brought that idea forward, particularly in the, in the realm of programming, a global namespace of, right. of code and data. And, and so that's how Valten works. Um, it's a global namespace of code and data scoped to each user, which is kind of a Twittery idea. So um, in version right. one and two of Valtown, if uh, I have a variable called foo and it equals one or whatever, um, or it could be a function, you can just write, you or I, anyone can just write, if it's public, you know, at stevekraus.foo uh, and just as easily as you tag someone on Twitter, you can import my functions and data into your code. No published NPM step in between. Uh, just, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's the way in which Valtown is just kind of like implicitly a package manager. Right. Um, and, and that, that like, it all kind of comes out like in, in version two, there were like a lot of, uh, version one and two of Valtown, there were a lot of opinionated decisions we made, uh, and like this, like DSLE kind of things we added, like custom runtime features we added to JavaScript. Um, so like if you were to ask, like you did, like, you know, what's the difference between Valtown and, and like another cloud, uh, platform? The, the answer was, it used to be longer. Um, with version three, we, rem yeah, we right. removed a lot of those things. Yeah, and we'll get into that. And so um, in version three, really one of the only uh, distinctive characteristics of Valtown, uh, well, <laughs> it's funny to say it like that. Um, one of the like, <laughs> one of the things that, because Valtown is like distinctive in its collection of features that we've like borrowed from a lot of other folks. Uh, but like, one of the right. things that's very uniquely about town is uh, a focus on small snippets of code being defined as top level primitives and then composing those up. Um, there's no right. like notion of like the, the fact that there's no notion of a file system and you have like a bunch of files and you have your code in files. Uh, that's like a pretty uniquely about town kind of thing. Right. Um, in terms of like how, how the about platform itself works though, I mean, the one thing I was kind of wondering in this is, um, so I, you know, the namespacing, uh, you know, that makes, I think that's a great thing, right? The idea. And then like any, anytime I fork or you, you know, uh, I guess like in the gist model, like I can fork some, someone else's code, make it my own that now I have that under essentially my, my namespace. Right. Um, yeah. An interesting question I have in this is because obviously in the back end you are doing a lot of this stuff to run this on those, very infrastructure defined platforms, I imagine. <laughs> um, where do things go wrong? Uh, you know, um, like for in terms of what you have, like what are what are kind of interesting situations where where you know, not only gone wrong, but where you've had to start ha having to handle a lot more complexity for the for the platform versus the way people get to interact with it. Your, is the question about uh, complexity we've had to deal with at Valtown? Yeah, well, because you mentioned with V3, you're kind of trying to move away from these runtime features, right? To be making things more explicit on the, uh, on the I guess, the developers or users of Valtown. Um, yeah. But 
one thing I kind of wonder is, you know, in a model where, I mean, you, you, you talked about this idea of combining, I mean, you're thinking about Unison, we talked about Unison, that is also a language with an entire kind of runtime. Obviously, you guys have a runtime that, that happens, you know, in the kind of background of all this. Um, what is the complexity that that has to handle to allow for people to do things easier uh, in the interface? Yeah, 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 great question. So, um, basically, we in version one and version two, we had a lot of, uh, I just like added an at symbol to JavaScript, which is totally invalid right. syntax. And I added all sorts <laughs> of like ran random semantics. I added, you know, dot email to console. So like console.email will email the author of the function. I added uh, mut mut mutation, mut uh, persistent mutation semantics to it. Uh, so you you could um, do at me.foo plus plus or at me.foo equals and then some object. And I would, at the end of execution, I would um, uh, JSONify whatever it is you assigned it to and uh, and persist that um, in, our, in our database. Right. So, which is um, like... Uh, now it seems to me like what a crazy idea that I thought that was ever going to work or scale um, on, on, a couple, on, a right. on a couple of levels. Uh, like well, just on the level of uh, in memory, as code is running, it's a complicated object. And then I like have to do all sorts of crazy work, turn that into JSON. And then if you restart that computation and expect it to be like this rich object that it was just a second ago, you're going to be upset because it's not. Uh, now it's JSON, <laughs> right? Uh, so like, so like that that mismatch that we talked about earlier in this conversation of like some languages just aren't designed to like persist rich data structures, uh, and and JavaScript is one of them, right. and you just got to kind of right. serialize and unserialize uh, all the time and design around that I, as a platform and I, as a programming language. I I uh, hello uh, managed to come oh. in. Uh, uh, sorry for being late. I have been listening in the background. I think this is you know I read your article. And I think calling it a social website, I think your instincts are correct from an interaction perspective that the at sign has become a uh, social business primitive is the wording that I use that's not totally correct. Um, and it started with Twitter. Um, uh, Slack kept it going. Um, and now we've kind of got it everywhere that, the, that there's a certain understanding from users that at something is going to do stuff, right? Like we have a, we have a mental model that's in there. Um, everything you're saying is hundred percent correct. You're like, oh, oh my God, I can't just like add this stuff to JavaScript. But I think as an interface, it's, it's hundred percent correct. And how do we merge those things together without having to do the lift of changing a programming language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and this is where we've landed, um, that the, the correct place for these sorts of innovations is at the interface level, which more concretely in this context is the editor. So in Valtan version right. three, you use your same, same muscle memory. You type the at symbol in the editor. Uh, yes. You, and you, you type uh, the name of the value you want to import and the autocomplete does exactly what you want. It autocompletes to the name. It throws a normal web standard JavaScript import up at the top of the file. Everything works the way you'd want it to work. Uh, and there's no at symbol left in the code after you've accepted the completion. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's, um, I think this calling it a social website is really this, the jumping off point for so many things. Um, I think that a number of us are uncomfortable with the platform control of our, over a lot of different things. Um, so we're seeing that with, with social networking and Twitter and Blue Sky and, and so on. And people are starting to look at GitHub and be like, oh, wait, does Microsoft just own everything? That's a complicated choke point. Um, and yet we, and that yet there's huge value in managing a social website, um, uh, whether it's functions or people or other primitives. How do you think about the interaction of, or the evolution of both coding and a social website on that layer? Uh, on the layer of who gets, uh, like who gets to be in charge of it kind of a thing? Like, I, I, I guess that's one angle, right? Like, so, you know, I think back to you saying like where, where Heroku like missed the turn and one of my alternate histories that I think about is what if Heroku had open sourced itself so that enterprise could run their own? Um, how do you think about Valtown as a destination versus various elements of Valtown spreading elsewhere? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I guess, like, I feel like the easiest <laughs> uh, place to start is about, like, lock-in and... Um how much better we of a story we have now that we're not running custom javascript we don't have a custom javascript runtime vowels should just work right. everywhere so so you should be able to just copy and paste your vowels um that's the first place to start Se secondly we have an api that like makes it really easy to get out all of your vowels and all the public vowels of the entire platform in a very short amount of time so really kind of protecting our data at all um, but, you know, potential, <laughs> like it, it's the sort of thing where I would never like it to be the case that we have a, um, restricted API, but, uh, it's like, it, it seems like literally every, uh, social network, uh, starts with a super open API and then locks down on it over time. So, well, but uh, you mentioned like dark Lang earlier, right? I mean, that's another take on a platform with somewhat restrictedness around it, right? Like buying into the platform versus being able to take things away from it, right? Yeah, yeah. That was one of Darkling's biggest uh, hurdles for people. They were just like, Wait, you're telling right. me it's a custom language, custom runtime. I can't even copy and paste this code elsewhere. Like, I'm totally locked in. Yeah, that, that's, that was like a super hard <laughs> pill for folks to swallow. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not even... I'm going the exact opposite direction. Like, we want... We, we, to be honest, we actually want... Uh, it, your vows we want them to run everywhere like that, that's to us the vision the way valtown succeeds is if vows become ubiquitous in the sense of they just are the default way to talk about computation in the abstract and, and especially server-side computation so whenever there's a blog that talks about some computer science concept or you're explaining a javascript library or you're showing off your api docs and you're showing people how to make queries to your api uh or, or anything of that sort. We want a, like an embedded vowel or a link to a vowel 
kind of in the way that people that will link to like a postman collection or people used to link to like a, gl mm -hmm. a glitch uh, thing yeah. or run kit is like still on <laughs> NPM to show people how to, how to do stuff. Yeah. We, we want Valentine to be like this default place. So mm -hmm. and that's default kind of embed like Twitter is like, like we're trying to make this new web primitive. And so for us being really, really standards based and have nothing custom being able to run everywhere, just being everybody's friend, being Switzerland as much as possible. It's, it's so important to us. Um, and yeah. And like the vibes of openness are really key to like winning hearts and minds of folks. Uh, and so we, we, we think a lot about uh, like just open sourcing more of what we're up to. Um, we like barely even have a runtime. There's like not that much to open source there. Yeah. Uh, but, right. yeah. yeah. But in theory, I, yeah, I, I think we, that... we'd be open to it. Uh, and then, and then the front end um, in theory, we'd be open to open sourcing that too. Um, and then like in the direction that fission goes in of like, let, of like, you know, execution being somehow federated, like, like I'm, I'm open-minded to all of that stuff. Um, uh, yeah. I, don't I mean, obviously that's, that's the part that we're seeing that's, that's super interesting where, um, uh, we're at this very low layer of, um, you know, starting with deterministic fun functions, but mm. lots of the fun stuff comes at that higher level where you're playing, um, and so the same, like very shared vision to what, what you're, you're saying is we want a lower level down substrate that runs everywhere and has amazing interfaces and communities like Valtown. Um, I think some of the, uh, interesting pieces there really just end up being right. Like where on the computation versus education slide are you? How, like, like, yeah, like, really, that's my question uh, for direction of Valtem. Yeah, we really want to be the UI. Uh, metaphorically, we want to be the GitHub to, like, a Git. And, and like, for us, the Git in this yep. case is JavaScript, TypeScript, JSX. Um, and we want to just, like... It, really great theory, It would be great if... Um, like, you know, we all the time are looking very hard at using an existing functions as a service platform. Uh, like Vercel has a, has a great situation where they um, use AWS to run a lot of their stuff. They use Cloudflare to run a lot of their stuff. And um, like, you know, like the Next.js app compiles down to Lambdas. Valtown yeah. does not compile down to lambdas. Unfortunately, we we have we like run that ourselves, which has some benefits. But ultimately, we would like to just build the web app. We just want to focus on this educational interfacey right. thing, and then have someone else <laughs> deal with running a function as a service platform because that's you know just not what the innovation we're trying to add. To that's that's um, a lot of work on that's a lot of work on its own accord, right? To your point, yeah. like. Where do you where do you innovate at right and and to innovate at that point innovation yeah, budgets I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, yeah yeah the, 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 but um, just to give you because uh, I think it's kind of interesting the reason why we're not using one of these other platforms even though we'd like to um, and we might if they added we just need like a couple extra features um, a, a lot of the platforms don't have really great support for. Uh, like all of NPM packages and just like the end uh, th that's like one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. 
the, one of the main ones is deploy time. Um, at Valton, we want your deploy time and the runtime to be unbelievably fast because Valton is both. We're, we're a cloud IDE where you're like running yeah. expressions like it's a REPL. Yeah. And so we need that to yeah. be well under a second uh, to, to feel fun and fast. And then, and then also um, in a deployed setting, we need things to be probably even faster. Uh, and so all, literally all of our competitors are only focused, well, virtually mostly focused on that second case of being fast in a deployed setting. And the deploy time, they're like, they're very proud to boast about like six second deploys. And we're like, like I guess that's fine for deploys, but uh, that's not fine for um, a REPL. It's nowhere close for a REPL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Are you comfortable? Like, I don't have a good picture in my mind of, of uh, well, and it's not the vibe of like, Valtown versus X. Um, um, what, we're getting there. What do you we're see as, as, as the competitors? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, sorry, I don't mean X's in Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well. I'm a big fan of uh, like analogies, um, and so like to me, it's like less about competition and more about like how I compare myself uh, to folks, just to like explain stuff. Recently, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about Cloudflare and how uh, it, like I only a couple of months ago realized to what extent every single feature we've ever built and have thought about building Cloudflare already has. It, like it kind of my mind and there were a lot of features that cloudflare has that well like, the reason i didn't didn't realize this comparison was so strong was i didn't really know about all of cloudflare's features and right there are a lot of cloudflare features like durable objects that are like kind of wacky and like weirdly designed yep. and i only now that i've like tried to build th similar things and failed and seen all the uh, issues with it only now i'm like ah now i see why they made those weird decisions like i <laughs> i could have made that left turn that you know like that's that's really thoughtful so I'm, I'm a big fan of cloudflare and i think um workers products are um in a lot of ways what valtown is trying to do is uh take their workers products and just make them one or two orders of magnitude more consumerized and easy to use fun Kind of thing. Like in the way that you could um, call like Cloudflare workers like WordPress and um, Valtan more like Twitter. Right. It's like really the same. Right. Like, yeah. So I think a lot about. And, and to step back to the previous thing you were getting at, Steve, I, we have a question from the audience I want to ask as well. But um, the thing I wanted to get at was you were talking about this idea of having like a REPL like experience. It's essentially this idea that, you know, a lot of other platforms, it's like you give it some code that you're some code packaged up to ship it has to then compile that or you know generate some sort of apparatus like a lambda for it to run how do you how do you all try to attempt to have this like i guess to your point like an interpretive feel you almost want to treat like valves as like interpreted code that just get run as they come in as they get registered right um how do you go how do you go about kind of trying to make that happen as as in that vein versus the Compile and ship and deploy, which is which is that six second you talked about. Uh, yeah. Um, well, so the Val ten version three is coming out on Monday. Uh, so we we just rebuilt our our whole evaluation stack, um, and it's a lot faster and cleaner now, which is fantastic. Um, the see the, the i guess there are a couple of things going on one of the one of the things is that valtown uh all of valtown runs in one region uh, near one database so mm -hmm. there's no 
of like deploying to the edge or deploying, I guess, you know, when you deploy to AWS, you deploy to one region, but when you deploy to Cloudflare, uh, it's really kind of, uh, or Vercel, I guess, uh, like there's like edge compute stuff happening and, and they're like really kind right. of propagating stuff around the whole, the whole freaking world and they're busting ca uh, caches and CDNs around the whole yeah. freaking world. And that yep. can take a couple seconds. Yep. So um, like the fact that we are in one region gives us some advantage in that. Uh, like on the other hand, I have users who are like, nah, like I have, I have some users who are so excited for Valtown version three because this means that they can copy and paste their Valtown code into Dino deploy and get their right. valves running at the edge. Right. And that's that's great. I'm into that. Um, and and we love to use Dino deploy as our runtime engine, uh, but you know, anyways, they, they because they're deploying to the edge, it takes a couple seconds. Uh, it's, it's still pretty fast considering what it's doing, but uh, but but Valtown, um, when you when you run a Val, uh, we have a really great cache. So so we we use Dino to um, to run our code. So <laughs> Dino has a really wonderful caching system that mostly just does what you want. So. If you're running new code, but it has all dependencies that have been run recently, they're, they're just like already right. on the computer. Uh, so we don't have to re-download those. Um, you know, has yeah. really great permissioning and security guarantees around able to run things on the same computer, just in different processes. <clears throat> so you really can share a file system and not worry that it's going to, uh, users are going to escape the Dino sandbox. Um, so anyways, the, the, I guess the short answer is Dino does a lot of, does a lot of this for us. It was like designed well by right. people who wanted to build a function as a service platform right. on top of it. Yeah, they've done a yeah. great job. And so there's no like, there's no future you think in the, in a in a Valtown world of. Uh, you, you mentioned this Apple analogy, so I'm just going off that. Uh, and you know, I think you mentioned a lot about. I mean, there's a lot of history. Like the mention, thing you mentioned about like putting it more in the editor or the interface versus putting mm -hmm. that the, those semantics of the at symbol inside of the codes. You know, it goes back mm -hmm. to a lot of work and like contextual editing, right? You, I know you, you know, you did future coding, so there's a lot of that, right? And um, and so I wonder, is there a world where Val towns are like, I want to start, I want to start seeing what, like, partial uh, evaluation, where you're looking at like, I'm in the middle of, of creating a Val, but it's already running what it can run, mm. versus I hit the run button. Yeah, yeah. These are the sort of futuristic ideas that I loved back in my future of coding days. These days, I'm more <laughs> focused on like boring table stakes things. Um, yeah, that's true. There, yeah, it, it's it's so sad when idealists become pragmatists. <laughs> but uh, that, that, <laughs> that's that the quote of the episode. <laughs> it's so sad. I, I, think, I think there's something to be said for um, honing the edges. Yeah of something, uh, right? Yeah. Like you start customizing a tool to the task at hand. Um, and I think that necessarily means like, yeah, guess what? It's no longer a Swiss army knife, but it's got a really nice smooth handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I guess, like here, here, where, like I think a, a good case study that I'll go through quickly is in the early version of Valtown. I was a big believer in futuristic omniscient debugging, where I store the inputs of outputs of every function all the way up and down the call stack, 
and and non-determinate and all non-determinism, random numbers and right. HTTP requests. So everything is fully replayable and debuggable, and you should really never have to use console.log. Yes. Um, and it's awesome and, and very <laughs> futuristic and cool um, and just super complex and expensive to maintain and cause so many issues down the line. We ripped out all of that in version three and we just have yeah very, memoization very... is gone right uh right yeah. that's a big piece right uh the state yeah. is all explicit now right versus what you talked about earlier yeah. <clears throat> yeah yeah so if you mutate a variable we don't like persist those mutations <laughs> implicitly behind the scenes uh if you want to mutate some some state you have to like explicitly set a, a value to a variable it's an asynchronous operation like a setting a value in a key value store um and we have helpers for that uh, but but like a lot of the futuristic implicit magical stuff that i dreamed about in the future of coding days uh, we it was it was causing way more issues than it was solving um so and, and this really so one point part reason is when you do a lot of new things you end up in places that nobody else is and you have to like just solve more problems that nobody else has solved before and you just like and, mm -hmm. and it's a like factorial combination that's uh, that, that you just don't want to go down but in some ways even more importantly your user you have to start with where people are and get them along with you for the ride and users uh, are used to console.log debugging and they're not used to future omnis omniscient debugging and so they just weren't even using these wonderful features i was building for them and yeah. they wanted console.log to work better and i was like no, like anyways so um <laughs> i I've, I've learned to love the uh the old way of doing things for better and for worse it, uh, and just it's like old it's it's, and, it's meeting it's meeting users where they are yeah and um, and I think that you have to be true to your what if, right? Like, so if I extract your what if that you've stated several times is, um, what if vowels ran everywhere? What if every chunk of code could be interactive because it, uh, uses the, uh, the vowel primitives, um, and to get that everywhere you have to actually go down to the lowest level of the pyramid to be like, okay, everywhere means like you don't need a PhD in computer science to start hacking at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is maybe a good question of where do you think your pyramid is? Um, hey, this people is write Haskell space. without... People write Haskell without a PhD. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, my pain, I, I think it's complicated today. Like we talk about like stacks and we talk about a DevOps expert or a front-end developer or other stuff like that. And especially in this serverless space where more of the stack and using a platform like Workers and Cloudflare where it kind of like disappears even more. Um, Steve, how do you, how do you say... Um, this is the this is the type of developer. And I'll actually start by there of saying actually saying the same. It's a developer audience. Um, how how do you label like who you see using Valtown and and what do you want more of to grow that definition? Hmm. Yeah. So um, the users we have today are definitely programmers. Uh, one thing that surprised me is how many people uh, use Valtan who previously hadn't used JavaScript or TypeScript all that much. Like some, some people really had to learn 
JavaScript to use. Oh, Delta. wow. Yeah, that, that really surprised me. Um, uh, but I guess like my vision for Valtown is that it feel a lot like a spreadsheet in the sense that uh, you start with kind of concrete things that, that work. You start with other people's code. You start with data. And then in little cells, you add incrementally more formula-y things over time. And at any given point in time, like errors are isolated only to the cells that there are errors in. Everything else continues to work. It's not like a, a project that either all compiles or doesn't compile. Uh, and the benefits of a system like that is that I think it's very incrementally learnable. You don't have to learn all of JavaScript. You just have to learn how to tweak someone else's code a little bit or, you know, just combining two people's functions. Uh, so I think it does make JavaScript quite learnable for programmers. I haven't, I've been very, well, not disappointed. Um, I, I know, it, you know, we have a lot of work to do to make Valtown the place where people learn to code. Uh, th but that is the aspiration, and we haven't seen that yet. Uh, people, pe people know how to code. They just maybe don't know JavaScript yet. So, yeah. The, right now, oh, like, so I wanted to get this question. Yeah. Go for it. Finish it. Okay. Uh, no, I was just going to say that, um, like, right now, our like super target customer is uh, a guy in his thirties that owns an Arduino. Like if you own an Arduino, I can almost guarantee <laughs> that you will, you will see Valtown and be like, yep, that's, that's what I want to do to automate, continue to automate my life. Okay. So what you're saying, Steve, is, uh, is that, yeah. uh, is that Valtown and Fission should go in on a bulk order of Arduinos. <laughs> yes. Or, or we should, um, it's, a, buy, it's like, actually home Arduino automation. Mailing home list. automation. <laughs> yeah. home, uh, uh, do it yourself at home automation customers, right? Um, that's, <laughs> that make up this. Um, yeah, I want to get to this question that we had in the audience. Uh, Alexandre, I think, um, mentions how, how Valtown essentially compares to WebAssembly. And really, I think the question really gets at interoperability. And what does it mean to have interoperability? Is interoperability just within the Valtown system? Or is there kind of a dream for a much larger interoperable kind of world? Um, and then that kind of hits on like openness as well, but um, that's that's the question that I was going to ask. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So on one level, uh, WebAssembly works in Valtown because WebAssembly works in JavaScript and Dino. Uh, so there there are like a number of uh, WASM libraries that we use already. Um, you can use uh, SQLite. In Valtown, like you can run right. SQLite in Valtown using WASM uh, today, and um, and so th there is some of that that we just kind of get for free because of how great WASM is, and that kind of runs everywhere. Um, in terms of composability and like world in which Valtown functions aren't JavaScript but they're WASMy things, and you can run like a, like a true any language, you have your Python vals running next to your TypeScript vals, and, and it's like a WASM bridge. Thing. I, I love that, that vision. Um, I don't think it's a very near-term vision because I just don't think it matters in the sense that, like back to my analogy about uh, vowels being a, a, a lingua franca akin to what we see in spreadsheets. Like um, you, you don't really complain about the spreadsheet formula language. It's just like the language they give you and... It's where your data is. It's the tool everyone uses. You just like learn how to use the freaking formula language of the tool you're in because everyone uses it. 
and uh, not to force everyone to use JavaScript, but I kind of just want to force everyone to use, use JavaScript. It's like good enough, using it for everything else anyways. Um, if you want to do some automation, it'll just be easier to do it in Valtan JavaScript than Python in some other tool, just because of everything around JavaScript that we can bring to bear. And, and part of where this is coming from for me is that I saw Replit, uh, which was originally an ASM.js project. Gosh. Uh, as as yep. some of you may know, yeah. your history. Early yeah. days. Um, yeah, and uh, and so much about what's great about Replit is that it really is this jack of all trades, and that you can run like forty different programming languages in it. Um, but we wanted to very much go the other direction because I, I never never felt happy using Replit to build anything um, complex because it's just just not good enough at any one language. Like it's. It's just passable at, 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 at languages. And so we wanted to just go so deep in JavaScript and TypeScript and, and things we're doing to make JavaScript and TypeScript work so well in Valtown, you just can't do it for more than one language. So we're, we're, we're big in, in again. that ecosystem. Um, it is interesting that you have that and in the middle. JavaScript. And TypeScript. Um, yeah. and, and, and now JSX. So there are two ands. How do you feel about um, TypeScript in the mix there? Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. Like, you, you could like, list all of my bets. Uh, like, I, we bet big on Dino. We bet on CodeMirror. We bet on... Um, uh, browser-based editor. Um, but anyways, um, I, I don't feel... TypeScript really does feel like it's here to stay. It feels like really great technology. Um, it's, it's weird that Microsoft owns it. It's weird that like the code base is so kind of opaque and hard to work with. Uh, but yeah, I can't, it's hard to imagine doing, doing Valtan without it. There's just... Uh, so much of the benefits yeah. of comp composability and the guardrails that TypeScript gives you are just like, even just um, knowing when you you have a promise. So like all the time, even me, I will like make some HTTP request and then try to compute with the value that I get back. And TypeScript will just be like, like we know that that property foo does not uh, not exist on that object bar because there are only three properties that exist on it. Then catch and you know what you know. It's just like, we know it's a promise, so we, we it's not what you think it is. And without that error, you know, we, I would have that extra debugging step uh, that I don't have to deal with because TypeScript is great. So, anyways, like from a web standards perspective, TypeScript is a weird one. Like I, I'm a big believer in web standards, and TypeScript is not a web standard. Right. But, I, right. but we're into it. We're into it anyways. Yeah, JSX was a weird one. We like didn't know how to add JSX in because like, what does it compile to? Does it compile to React, React? Um, we we find a way to get it in with um, like I think it's a TypeScript pragma statement. But, um, anyways, it's a great <laughs> question, and it, and it, and JSX and TypeScript do make me uncomfortable, but they feel like pseudo web standards that are reasonable enough to bet on for now. Um, like in three years, five years, like might I regret these bets? Maybe. But uh, if I didn't make these bets, like for the next three to five years, I just hear every single day people being like, where's my TypeScript? Where's my JSX? That's, we, that's what we've yes. been hearing. Where's my JSX? Where's my I, JSX? And, and finally, you know, now we have JSX. 
I, I think that actually answers right. my question about the like pyramid, right? So you broadened the pyramid to React developers and JSX. Uh, and you broaden the pyramid, and we can argue in which direction, um, by with TypeScript, where people are like, no, no, I am wedded to doing JavaScript with types, so you got to do this. And I think that that is a um, adding JSX to that. I think is that is the more to me the more controversial one, but it's also dead obvious. Again, your your prior com uh, comment about like WordPress or Twitter or 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 whatever is uh, I think fits in there as well is um, no one's going to plug their ears and go like, well, I use other framework that has 1% the reach of React. You, you got to support it if it's, it's actively being used in our industry. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of these are tough calls because like you could, you know, it's a slippery slope to be like, well, if people ask for JSX and you give them JSX. Like people ask for Python every week. Like why don't you give them Python? Like at, at some point you have to draw a line um, and you'll never make everyone happy. So it's a, anyways, that's, that's the struggle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So other than um, 3.0 is coming out, um, what do you want people to check out? What do you want people to get excited about? What do you want to see more of on Valtown? Uh, and uh, how can we help spread that word? Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, so 3.0 is coming out Monday, 1 p.m. Uh, so maybe maybe check it out Tuesday <laughs> once uh, we've uh, <laughs> ironed out all, all the bugs uh, and issues. Um, Vals will be 50% faster. There'll be web center JavaScript. It's really kind of a, a good time. Well, I guess to be honest, you might want to wait like a month for us to like redo all of our docs and tutorials and stuff because you know it's a team of three. So we uh, we we have uh, yes. um, we have some some work to do. Um, but yeah, Vals are Vals are a lot faster now, um, and you you can really use them to make item points, websites like full stack websites really browser. One of my biggest priorities for the rest of this year after V3 launches will be uh, working on the embedded valves as a product. Um, we really want folks to be using valves to explain uh, just programming or JavaScript concepts, uh, and particularly API docs. I think that's where embedded valves will really right. shine. Like, yeah, here, here's how you call my API. Just don't, don't copy and paste this code. Uh, just like see what output this code uh, came up with the last time it was run, and then you know, Fork can run it on your Valtown account with one, with one button click. So uh, that's a big focus of ours going forward. So if you, if you have an so API- that, that's, still running, that's still running in Valtown, but now they're embeddable within another interface or right, your mark, not maybe markdown docs, but your, your document structure yeah. to some degree. You yeah, just, like a, just an iframe. embeddable, yep. Yeah, yep. it's just an iframe. Uh, it's like we want uh, vows to be web primitives like tweets. Like uh, it really is my dream yeah. for a vow to be on the news in the way that like a tweet will be like put up on CNN and like talked about. That's yeah. that's what we want. But, you know, we were a long way to go. Yeah, we could have you could have shared uh, Sam Bankman free, you know, the <laughs> the code snippet that exactly. showcased what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, 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 that's the hard coding constant. 
Yeah, yeah. So if there are any fraudsters out there, please break the law using Valtown so that when we catch you, <laughs> the newspaper article can link to the actual Val. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Oh. Amazing. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Boris, anything else you want to? No, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I think uh, generally uh, lovely to hear where you're headed and where um, how you're thinking about this stuff. I think you know very aligned with how we're we're thinking about things, and um, uh, ultimately we have to prototype and have examples of how to consume uh, Homestar IPVM functions in full stack web apps. So, like, let's mm-hmm. let's look at at doing that in Val. Um, um, I'm I'm excited to to dig in and and use it directly, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really good time. You know, we kind of say with Kazalans, we say uh, future of computing. So we're like kind of one layer down, and I totally get where you're like, no, no, like let's get coding to be a first class primitive, and that's amazing. And uh, you know, I hope we all get some time to actually evolve this stuff a little bit more. Yeah, you guys are starting more from the bottom. We're coming from the top. Maybe we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, perfect. Okay, thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll hit the stop recording button and you can listen to the podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. Thank you again, Steve. Mm-hmm.